Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you will enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. So welcome uh, to the show, Andreas. This is the GameDev.TV Podcast. Thank you. Uh, nice to be here. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin no Brandon. So can you tell the community a little bit about who you are so that way they get a little feel of who you are and then we'll go from there? Sure. Uh, I am uh, Andres Ortiz Suarez. I am a Mexican game programmer and uh, designer. Uh, I'm currently one of the lead programmers at Airship Syndicate in Austin, Texas. And uh, I focus a lot on game programming, design, kind of like the, the gestalt of a game from like, you know, music, uh, audio, the uh, gameplay, all of the things, how they come together. I'm I'm very big on on getting all of the disciplines involved and uh, kind of firing on all cylinders. I really want to make sure our projects are as like robust as possible. Like I, we look a lot at like at Airship, we we focus a lot on like having a really high level of polish and production. So it's a lot of focusing on like you know the tiny details of things that like you could just kind of ignore that but if if you make sure that the polish is there then it winds up feeling a lot better uh you get a better game out of the result mm-hmm. no i agree that's awesome so it's, a, it's been doing a lot then for the last couple of years uh yeah yeah the airship's been pretty busy uh this is we're about to we're working on ruin king which is our third title in like airship got put to, i mean airship came together in 2014 mm-hmm. but uh like it did it really production on our first game battle chasers didn't really start until like 2015 or 2016 so uh it's been like five years and we're on three games and it's a very very fast <laughs> timeline yeah. that's a that's a lot of games in that amount of time depends on the scope of the game but still very polished mm-hmm. you like that's that's a lot of work but before we get into like all of the great stuff you've been working on let's get started at the beginning because a lot of the people the game dev community that tv community are very beginner very like aspiring game developers who are learning a little bit how to code games but like there's a gap between starting out and then you know working at a studio and working there for many years so how did you get started with doing games let's get to the beginning like did you have a favorite gameplay moment when you were younger that inspired you to make games later or did you just like chose it later on when did you start getting into games there's so many good ones. Uh, like I knew from very, very early on that I wanted to work on games. Um, I remember playing Final Fantasy IV on my uncle's Super Nintendo. Yeah, it was a Super Nintendo game. Uh, and I played. I looking back on it now, like playing that game again. I mm-hmm. spent like four or five hours playing the first thirty minutes of the game. I didn't know English uh, <laughs> very well, and like I didn't know what I had to do. And yeah. I was really young, so I was like, "What?" I was like eight, nine uh, when it came out. So like he had it because he, you know, like. He he was the cool uncle, right? So he uh, had a yeah, Super yeah. Nintendo, and and he he was also really young. So it was like you know twenty eighteen when I was like eight or. Oh wow! Uh, so, yeah, you like, had a buddy. You're like, yeah. hey, what's up? Let's play games. Exactly. So like, uh, he he would show off and be like, look, I'm like on the moon in Final Fantasy four, and he would show me all the different cool stuff that he had, and I'd be like, wow, I want to play it, and I'd start the game, and then 
spend hours on the first 30 minutes of the game. But I was just really taken aback by how, like, magical it was. Like, the exploration of it, like, you know... Uh, the surprise of the narrative, like being, you know, getting to the village only to find out that you that you've actually been carrying this bomb and you like oh, no, spoilers yeah, yeah. for the first thirty minutes of Final Fantasy IV, but you like blow up this village and then you feel like this guilt, mm-hmm. and for an eight year old that's super impactful. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I I I was like, wow, like t- stories and games are really amazing, and this is so exciting. Uh, and like I would play every game that I could. I'd save. I learned to save money really early on. Like my parents would give me like you know pocket money and stuff, and then they'd be mm-hmm. like, "Why don't you ever go out with your friends? Why don't you go out for dinner for the movies?" And I was like, "I'm saving up to buy a console uh, <laughs> and to buy I games." See, yeah. Uh, and like I, I would save every single dollar I could. I'd save lunch money just to be able to buy another game. Wow. Uh, like I'd just go without eating any food. Uh, but it was important. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to eat. But uh, like I really was looking for, uh, like, like trying to figure out and puzzle out in my head what I what I liked about them. Uh, and, and like at first it was just kind of like I love games. Games are great. But uh, then at some point I got my hands on RPG Maker '95. This is before the official version. This is like back when it there's the Japanese version, and then it was illegally translated into English and distributed as freeware by uh, I think he was a Russian guy. Okay. Uh, and and I think, right. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, I think everybody on the internet just called him. Um, was it like Don Miguel? Don Miguel. Don Miguel. Uh, yeah, okay. it's it like Don is in like a, like you know uh, Don Corneo or whatever is the oh, title. Yeah, yeah. And so like um, he 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 would like go in like kind of like figure out the 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 keys for strings and then kind of like repackage the binary and distribute it out to like the greater internet. Okay. And so he was constantly working on like translating um, the 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 RPG Maker engine so that other people on the internet could use it. And there was this huge, huge community of people making games in RPG Maker and then RPG Maker 2000 when that came out. Or RPG Maker 98, then 2000, then mm-hmm. 2003. Uh, so, like, that, while that was happening, like, I was on the internet, like, kind of getting used to the internet really, really young, meeting so with, like... So was this, like, 10 years old, 8 years old still? Oh, okay. I was, like, 12. 12 okay. uh, and I was pretending to be 18 because they were just, oh. like, no minor. You had to, yeah, make those fake accounts. <laughs> Yeah, so I had to, like, I was fully a minor. I shouldn't have been doing that. I met some unsavory people that way. But, um, like, it was also an opportunity to kind of get in early and realize that, like, making games was actually really fun for me. More than just playing games, I really wanted to make them. Uh, And so I, like you know, I would learn the tools and I would kind of really get into the process of like, okay, I'm scripting out the scene then I would play it and then I'd take notes about all of the things that went wrong. And I was just like, well, this character jumps in the wrong way and this animation plays wrong. And and then I'd go back and I'd address it and I'd like fix it and then I'd go through. And it was like the very earliest bug fixing because RPG Maker 2000 didn't really have any code. It was just like a bunch of, you know, uh, um, like, steps basically like a bunch of commands that you would like uh just put in it would be like move this character three kind of like scratch i guess 
Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. really basic, mm-hmm. really basic. Nowadays, they actually have a like JavaScript and in Python and a bunch of other stuff baked into the engine. But before, it was just basically you would press a button and then you would put in like the commands. It was really easy for somebody who didn't have any game experience to be able to just make a game. And so, like that was the first step. And then I like took some programming classes in high school because I was just like, I want to know a little bit more about like making games. And, and I realized like, hey, I can program. This is fine. What programming class do they have in high school? Oh, um, like the AP. Intro? Yeah, AP programming. So it was like mm. it was like intro to like Java. And I wish I had it in high school. I mean, it yeah. it was it was good. I was really really lucky that we had a programming class because you, I mean, I could have just done art or PE or whatever as an mm-hmm. elective, but I got to pick programming, so that was pretty cool. Um, and I did pretty well at the AP like test uh, for Java, yeah. so like that that made me feel pretty good. And then I went to art school, uh, <laughs> so that was interesting. In- uh, yeah, how'd that happen? Uh, well, I like I really wanted to do game design specifically. Like I love the design of games, and I like love art, and I draw, and I paint like as a hobby. And and uh, so I went to SCAD, um, Savannah College of Art and Design in Georgia, and I got a whole game design degree, uh, like a, in digital media and focus in game development. I think is the f- official title. But uh, I I specifically wanted to like learn game design and I, like at first I wasn't even sure like what like dis- different disciplines there were because like as somebody who was from Mexico that, oh that's the other thing I I grew up in Mexico uh, oh wow we got yeah, to so talk to, more about that yeah yeah I had to immigrate to the United States uh, so like going to college was actually a really big deal because I had to like go to college in the United States and then like. Um, you know, I I had to, like, get a student visa, and then, like, after, like, college, getting in and and staying in the United States was a challenge, too, because uh, Lord knows getting a visa is hard, and yeah. I imagine years people... Oh, God, yeah. And I imagine there's people that listen to the, the podcast and they're in the community that also have to deal with this sort of thing that are from all over the world. And, yeah, getting into the United States isn't easy, guys. Don't don't feel discouraged that, like, you feel like this is an insurmountable task. It's possible. It's just really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other people that's suffering with you. Um, How long does it usually take? Like, oh, God, it depends because, like, you could be on a work visa for a really long time, and a work visa doesn't really grant you, like, progress towards becoming a green card holder. Mm-hmm. So somebody yeah. could hire you as, like, an employee with an mm-hmm. H-1B visa. That's, like, just an employment visa. And you could just be on that forever, and then, like, when they let you go, that's it. You're out. Like, you just have to find another. Could you imagine that? Like, working for 10 years and, like, all right, go home. Yeah, no, I can totally imagine because like that has happened to people that I know. It happened to my cousin, uh, like just like not that long ago. At some point a, a year ago, like his H one B expired, it lapsed, and his company just didn't bother like really put be, like putting the priority on on renewing it. And then they had to like deal with all of this like trying to get him rehired uh, on a visa again. Like that's is just awful. It's an awful yeah. experience, immigrant. Um, but I am very, very fortunate to be a uh, green card holder now, so I'm a permanent resident. I can just work wherever I want. I f- I'm at this point practically a citizen. I just don't have all of the same rights as a citizen. Um, soon. Yeah, soon. Hashtag yeah. soon. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, like, so I went to college. I went to art school. I learned like all of the basic fundamentals of art, painting, like, uh, you know, contour, color theory, 3D design, all of the things. And uh, then I graduated and I needed to find a way to stay in the United States. So I worked for the college mm-hmm. uh, as like a... Uh, rental equipment manager so I I worked in like the rental equipment area of like the film and digital media like department of the school and like I handled all of their equipment I was their motion capture technician uh, so I know how to use the mocap studios a lot of experience yeah Uh, do everything (laughs) Um, and uh, I worked for them for like a good year and a bit and um, I kept looking for opportunities and being like, okay, what can I do to get into the games industry? It was really, really hard. There's very few people that want to hire somebody on um, with no experience. Uh, if you as, are an immigrant that you need to get a work visa and getting a work visa was a challenge. What I was fortunate for is that the school offered to give me an H-1B work visa um, if good, I yeah. work for them and schools aren't really bound by the same kind of restrictions as b- other businesses in the United States. So they were able to get me a, uh, a, an H1B at like a different timeline, uh, without like really having to deal with the cap, but it took them like a year to do it. They were like, well, just, you know, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh, gosh. Don't worry. We're getting to it. And then my, uh, my temporary visa after being a student expired and I couldn't work. Uh, and I was like supposed to leave the country and they were like, wait, 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 we're trying to get it resolved. And then they got me an H1B like last minute. Of course minute. they waited the last so, minute, of course. Of course they waited to the last minute. So yeah, like that's, that's the kind of thing immigrants have to deal with. Um, but they did come through, they gave me an H1B and I kept working for them for the school. And then I had an H1B, which is transferable. So uh, at some point, I got approached by one of the teachers uh, at SCAD, actually, who was trying to start a business, and she was looking for designers. Uh, and she was actually looking for somebody else. She sent me uh, the wrong. She she sent me an email mistakenly, <laughs> uh, and she was just like, "Hey, do you want to work on design for this thing?" And I was just like, "Yes." And she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, that was for somebody else." Uh, and I was just like, "But I'm really interested." And she said, "Oh, okay. Well, it's me for coffee." We met for coffee and she had this really great idea of like this kind of like this was during the times of early Facebook. And she was just like, what about like a safe, like social networking experience for kids? Um, and we like she she had this whole thing where it was like a game where it was like a game of like you're my first uh, social network. And you had like all the same kind of flash game, like little tropes where you could like play something new every day. And kind of okay. level up his character. Yeah, no, it was really, really cute. And it was really, like, I, I felt really strongly about the idea. So I joined in on our team. And I, like, uh, designed a bunch of, like, meta uh, leveling up systems. And, like, mm-hmm. figured out, like, what what is it like when you're, as you're getting leveled up? Like, why do you want to level up? Um, figuring out the player motivations. And then their, like, programmer quit. Uh, and they asked me, like, hey, do you know any Flash programming? Because our programmer quit, and we really need a programmer. And I was like, well, I did a bunch of Java programming, and I've done some action scripts, so I should be able to figure it out. And and now I'm here. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I went to art school, and here I am, a lead programmer at a game studio. I don't know how that works out, but um, that's this. That's pretty much how it went. It's just a lot of like opportunities kind of coming coming up at the right moment, and me being like, "Yeah, sure, I'll do that. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, I'll that's work." That's really with how it works, honestly, though. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Throw... You just take what you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but you always look for the next thing. Like you, you take what you get, and then you're like, mm, you know, I see the things I'm I'm getting from this. What do I want next? And you exactly. kind of always be moving, so that way you can catch the new things while enjoying what you have already. Exactly. And I'm very fortunate that I've been able to move on. I know there's a lot of people that like, you know, they get they start working QA and like, you know, they're doing great and they're really excelling, and then they don't get really, you know, moved up from QA. Yeah. And I really like lousy about that i'm like constantly trying to find ways to like elevate the people around me and be like well, you know this person really has great ideas we should give them a shot to be able to like design something and like I'm, i keep looking for ways to do that for the people around me and uh, i tell people as a hey if you're just stuck in qa forever and you don't want to be look for the next thing just keep looking keep trying and like don't just sit and be like i'll just wait for somebody to give me a shot look for the shot because Honestly, a lot of people are really bad about giving it to people, and and, and there's people out there, hopefully, that believe that you should get a shot and and that they're looking for you. So I love that. It's yeah. just like the idea that like everybody has a chance, just prove themselves. So some people are more afraid than others. So yeah. Give them an opportunity, and it's it's, it's honestly scary. like it's it can be scary because a lot of programmers or anybody doing game that can be a little introverted, and it's like oh well, like they'll see it eventually. It's like no, like talk to them about it. And in fact, like what are some things you did? to show that you can do certain things that you you can elevate your position so there's a a there's a saying that is um dress for the job you want right i'm sure everybody's heard that one and i kind of take that to another level and i i act like the job i want (laughs) which isn't to say yeah which isn't to say that like i like overstep my boundaries like i recognize when like somebody's above me i respect their position but like if um if there's things that I want to do and there's like, you know, I, I want to like show that I'm capable of leadership, that I'm capable of of doing the work, then I kind of just do it. Like I will see that there's an opportunity and be like, hey, you know, nobody is owning this particular feature. Nobody's owning, you know, this particular process. And so I say like, hey, you know, I I'll take care of it. And I like I go in and I take on the responsibility. I find ways to make it like easier for myself so that I don't get overwhelmed by like yeah. taking on too much work. Uh, and uh, I like just start doing it to show to people like, hey, you know, you can trust me with stuff. You can keep giving me stuff. I will like take it to the end. I will uh, note like I'll make sure that when we get to the end of the game, that it is in shipworthy state. Um, that's always one of the most important things I think is uh, people's ability to ship a game is oftentimes how people or how companies assess somebody's ability to like take on ownership and like move up in 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 like the next step in their career yeah is yeah like you know you can be somebody that kind of you know does the work, and, you know, they give you, uh, you know, the tasks that you have to do and you do them. Or you can be the person that's constantly looking and being like, okay, what do we need next? Hey, nobody's called out this thing. This is a problem. We need to address it. And you also do it, like, you know, tactfully, right? You don't, you don't like, say, True. like, I'm the new lead. I'm going to, like, you know, do all <laughs> the things. step over but, everybody's toes, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to step on anybody's toes, but you do want like to show the lead, like, hey, you know, I'm I'm watching out for you. I'm I'm uh, like here. I'm I'm your friend. I'm on your side. Like you and I can do this, uh, and like you can do that with like the your your direct superior. You can do that with like all of the other departments. Uh, and after a while, people start to like really like trust that you you've got their best interests in mind. That you're reliable. Um, that uh, you're you're looking out for the game. Uh, cause that's, those are the things like looking out for the right things are, is a big part of being in a game studio. I feel like, uh, this isn't probably the same mentality that every game studio has, but it's a, like one that I adopt really firmly. And that is like, you have three priorities. You have like your, uh, dedication to your employees like the people underneath you and around you yeah. you have dedication to the players and make sure that like you're you're catering to them and make sure that you're making decisions that are going to benefit them and you have a dedication to the game like and you, you know you don't want to make decisions those that are, are really going to good, like, yeah. impact like or lower the quality of the game and those are the three first top priorities for me like there's other people like you know there's you got to watch out for the publisher you have to like you know uh, keep third parties in check like people will bring in nvidia and nvidia will now be a partner and so you have to like you know have them as a priority but your first three priorities are always in order the employees the players and the game if you're making decisions that are going to compromise like the experience for players then you you need to find a way to be able to do that differently otherwise you're sacrificing something you shouldn't unless it's you know for the betterment of the employees because real, realistically, everybody's got to, you know, you, you got to keep making games. You don't want your team to fall apart after you no, finish. No, it's true. Yeah, you need to make sure they're healthy, they're happy, they're not sleep deprived, they're not like feeling stressed. Because then they'll produce the great work. If they feel anything else, they're going to feel worried and can't be creative and they're won't come on. on it. Come on. Yeah. They'll just so, leave. Exactly. So it's like leadership is a huge thing that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about. And I've heard recent, like if you want, like look at the recent events with like Anthem, or there's even problems with management in like huge companies. It's like leadership's a problem in all levels: leadership of yourself, leadership of small teams, and leadership of big teams. Because then you're going to get giant, colossal games that cost tons of money and fail. You'll get smaller teams who have have miserable employees because the leadership wasn't good. Like leadership is one of the most important things. And I'm curious to learn how you learned all these different things. Was it through experience? Was it through books? Was it through just school? Like how did you learn to be this type of person or like think the way this way honestly like it a lot of it comes from just emulating the people that are around me that i respect so um i, I had the fortune of after working at this company this social media company and uh uh becoming their programmer and working there for a while uh, ultimately like the that company failed because uh, well, I don't want to say that company failed, but it was it was it was difficult to compete with Facebook because there's such a like a gargantuan force, and people were really more interested in being social and like experiencing the social network of Facebook, and that's what kids are all doing now is they want to be part of social media. They don't want to be like in this kind of relegated to like a you know social media for kids thing. So we really struggled with that, uh, and then I was out of a job. And I got really lucky because I was living in L.A. at the time and Naughty Dog was looking for somebody with Flash experience. And I had just made a whole like soft whole game in Flash. 
for years. So I had a lot of the action script experience and they want that they wanted and looked for. And I got the opportunity to work with them on Uncharted 4 uh, as the UI scripter. So how did you I feel got, about that? Oh God, it was terrifying. Uh, like, <laughs> what do you mean? I, think, I mean, it was it was like a really really big deal because like like I still feel like Naughty Dog is like one of my favorite companies in the games industry. Mm-hmm. I am very very impressed by everything that they do, by how thoughtful they are, by I how much like attention to detail they have. I I had I feel like they work really 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 too hard um and and i don't know if there's a, a great way for them to be able to achieve the heights that they do without working that hard um i i feel it's possible but it's that's a whole other conversation but uh while i was there at naughty dog i got to see like the best the brightest the people that were like the most uh dedicated to their craft and to the team to making sure that they were able to produce the best game and so i got to see a lot of like what they would do on a day-to-day basis they would like you know, constantly check up on people. They would like follow up with everyone. They would know everyone. They would know what everyone was wanting to do or wanting to achieve. They would know what a particular part of the game was supposed to do, achieve, like on a thematic level. And they would check in with everybody that was working on that level and be like, hey, let's make sure that we're hitting these things. Like, this is like, you know, a detriment to what we're trying to achieve. How can we do it differently? And getting everybody's buy-in to make sure that that game was like, that part of the game was the best that it could be. And that was everybody. It wasn't just like the leads. It was all of the programmers, all of the designers, everybody had like an almost producer mindset where like it was more than just what the, tasks that they had to do it was about like the game and and about making sure that the game was doing what it was supposed to do um and i felt that that was a great way to approach like all of the parts of like working in a game company and i've also gotten to see like you know the the leadership at airship uh and like get to meet uh different people in different game studios and kind of learn about uh how what how they work and what processes work for them, which ones they, which ones don't. I watch a lot of documentaries from like um, NoClip and GDC. Oh, Talk. I love NoClip. Yeah, I think like all of the people talking about game development on the internet right now are doing such a service to not just like people that don't know anything about game development, like you know the gaming community and like coming to understand the things that we go through, but also for everybody that wants to get into the game development like industry uh they need to know what they're getting into and this serves as an opportunity for us to kind of share the 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 insight share the things that we've learned we try to share those things at like talks like in gdc but um especially as more and more the games industry keeps growing we don't get the opportunity to go to every talk that we should, right? We go to the talks that sound like the coolest at GDC. We're like, hey, I want to learn about this awesome tech or I want to learn about how to use Houdini in the Unreal Engine. But there's talks about like, hey, you know, keeping your team happy or shipping a game on time that are important and that we should be going to and we should be learning from. Um, And those also I learn a lot from. So it, it's I can't say that like all of the the techniques and the things that I've figured out over the years is have all come from seeing other people do it first and being like that's a great idea I should do that I think that that's that's good and sometimes like you don't know what's a good idea and so you just try it 
and you see like, yeah, hey, is this going to work out? Yeah, you experiment a little bit. And sometimes it gets overbearing. Sometimes, um, you know, you, you realize like, hey, I really should uh, be more empathetic instead of like constantly badger people about like, mm-hmm. hey, we should do this, we should do this. Um, it, I'd say that probably like 50% of it is going to be like trying the things that you see and 50% of it is also just listening to the people around you. Like be empathetic to your team members listen notice when they are sad or depressed or struggling and do what you can to address that and figure out like okay what are you like what what's the problem how do we address your problem yeah because the game dev industry could be very stressful and really tough on people's mental health i think to ignore that is just a huge crime and when the a bigger problem at the end of the day but like how can someone be more aware of people's what they're going through without like what are some indicators that you've seen when you've been working so that people can be more you know aware i mean there's a lot of indicators and we've seen a lot of them specifically now in during like covid19 because uh, we've had to deal with a lot of stress in people's lives and frustration and uh Obvious signs like people being really, really frustrated, people mm. being distracted, forgetting things, being really demotivated, not really engaging with the rest of the team. Like all these are signs that somebody's having a hard time and that they, they need somebody to listen to them and to like talk to them and be like, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? Um, there's uh, signs that like things are are probably going wrong with the project if like people are kind of going off and doing their own thing and not really communicating with each other not collaborating not um not figuring out like hey how do how do we work in tandem uh so like all of those things i think are are good things to watch out for and and be aware of uh i think the biggest challenge is really kind of figuring out how to be an active listener. Because when you know that somebody's having a hard time, reaching out to them is difficult. A, is difficult if you're like an introvert like me. Uh, and and mm-hmm. you're just like, you know, I, I don't like, I feel a lot of anxiety when I'm trying, like I'm talking to somebody about somebody important, about something important. Even if it's just like to like call Pizza Hut and order a pizza, I feel anxiety. So imagine if it's something. No, I know serious. how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if it's something serious, like, hey, I think that, you know, you're having a hard time. Do you want to talk to me about it? But um, I think that reaching out to people indicates that you care. And what's more is not trying to solve their problem immediately, just kind of letting them talk about it and understanding the problem is really, really big for making people see feel seen and heard. As you ask them, like, hey, okay, so what's going on? They explain, like, you know, having a hard time. And you're like, yeah, okay, well, what's been frustrating you? And they'll go into it and they'll talk about like that, you know, let's say that they talk about like the team, they feel like they don't listen to them. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, that really sucks because I, everybody wants to have their opinion like valued. Everybody wants their insight to, to feel, uh, you know, acknowledged. Mm-hmm. You have good ideas. I've heard your ideas and, and I know that they're good. So it sucks if it feels like nobody's listening to you. Those kinds of things, like even if you're not trying to solve their problem, you're you're giving them the opportunity to uh, express how they feel to somebody, so that they don't feel like they're just kind of locked in a box or like kind of like left out 
Um, and, and that's kind of step one of bringing them back into the group. And the next part is just talking to them about like, okay, well, what do you think like you really need? Uh, and and figure out how to address those things. And that's, you start to get more towards like being a lead once you start really um, like trying to address different team members' needs and kind of like consider them. So that's one of those like, hey, you know, act like the job that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, also like be aware that like sometimes it's not your job to fix problems in the team, but it's good to you know listen to the your teammates and then bring it up or or tell tell them like hey do you want me to bring it up to the lead do you want me to talk to somebody about it like for you yeah yeah and like be like make sure that they know what you're doing and that they they don't feel like you are going behind the rack because it's like you got to be transparent about these things and and make sure that you're you're doing things that they're comfortable with is it kind of like the situation where like all the um your colleagues like to like discuss stuff among each other but can't really go above they can't discuss the same thing to the higher ups. I don't think so as much. Uh, not at Airship. Okay. I think it, that can happen at different companies, especially if like management feels like it's kind of its own monster. Yeah. But Airship is is we still act like a pretty small game studio. We're we're not a small game studio anymore. We started with like four people, and then we like wow. at the end of Battle Chasers, it was like fifteen, sixteen Dang. people. <laughs> Yeah, we're growing, and now we're like a sixty. So it's definitely it's definitely been a shift, and and we still need to kind of figure out how to like handle that communication from like one one team to the next. But um, what we uh, definitely have is still a really close knit mm-hmm. like experience as a team. Uh, all of our leads are like people that we've worked with for a long time. All of our, um, you know, our management or like producers or people that you like, you can just send a message to. Uh, and, and we try to keep that approachable aspect of the company going. Like you can always like max- message the president, even though it seems kind of terrifying. Oh, really? yeah, That's awesome. Just, That's, yeah. He's just a cool guy and he, he's just happy to talk to people. Um, so is that like the culture built? The vision is to have the community and everybody working there feel like they can just talk to anyone, and they're like they're kind of like a close family. I think, yeah, I think that one of the 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 like the vision statement of Airship has definitely had to evolve over time uh, as we've grown as a company. But I think that like we still very much care about our employees, and we try to demonstrate that care by like you know uh, looking out for them, having uh, good benefit programs, and yeah. like you know making sure that they're taken care of making sure like hey if we have to put in extra hours god forbid we're gonna we're gonna buy meals for people we're gonna make sure that you're comfortable like we're gonna make sure that you don't have to like work this specific set of hours you can work when you need to like to make the time up Mm -hmm. um so that way you can spend time with your family you can you know keep like your your mental you can take breaks uh, you can like you know work on the weekend if you want to or or not if you can get your job the tasks that you have done um, in the amount of time that you have coming into the office great just make sure that you're communicating with your lead if you're getting overwhelmed or if you have you're doing enough or if you're not enough or if it's you know not enough time um, so yeah the, the like we're we're definitely the kind of studio that's that's focusing on that and you know we're not perfect um there's definitely yeah, a lot of things still, that we could do better but mm-hmm. like i i think that that's the, the kind of studio that i want to work for is the ones that are really like paying attention to that kind of thing i think all studios should be like that 
And so it's good to see that you guys are trying and working on your mistakes, trying to perfect it so that other companies can follow the same path. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting there. We're getting to a point. Because it's just, I, I can't see a studio working the opposite way and then being successful long term. Like, I know some of these companies like EA and them, they, they seem to manage to do things like that. But, like, I'm talking about, like, long term, like, many years from now, like, who knows what could happen to some of these companies if, like, more scandals happen or certain things happen. It's just, like, your employees matter. So Yeah. And it's hard to say, like, I'm, I mean, I'm, of course, an advocate for, like, uh, you know, minding your employees and making sure that, like, you put them first. And But at the same time, like, I don't know what the, like, results of what I'm trying to do long term are going to be. Like, is that sustainable business practice? That's I don't know. Yeah. Is is like the question is is more like is capitalism broken? But I'm not gonna get into that one. <laughs> uh, like there's there's some cool ideas that I've seen in the games industry, like game development co-ops of like companies that like you know they all share the profits and they're all the same, you know they're all on the same levels and they're all co-owners, and that seems really cool. And then I'm like, but is that going to work in the capitalist society? I don't know. There's yeah. there's a lot of new things happening in the games industry right now. So if like if you have like the flexibility and if you're fortunate enough to be able to experiment with that, uh, and and you feel like that's a, a really cool idea, please do it. I want to know like mm -hmm. it is this sustainable long term. I want to see more of these companies succeed so that we can emulate them and be like, hey, you know that that worked for them and that's great for them and they're still making amazing games. So that's I, I want to see more of that. Mm -hmm. Hopefully in time, probably. Hopefully. So. This there's a lot we got into that one, but um, how do you maintain like retain all the stuff you took from the GDC videos we were talking about, no clip or anything you've watched? Like, do you take notes? Do you continue to watch it over and over again? Oh my god, do I take notes? I I don't. I'm I'm very bad at taking notes. Um, I think sometimes some things I remember and sometimes some things I don't. And I think that I'm hoping that if there's something that's good. Uh, that I'm just going to retain it. Like if something really stands out to me and is 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 going to like land really with me and make me think like, hey, that was really a good idea. Then it'll it should it should stick. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or I like bring it up to other people and I'm like immediately try to implement it. Like the night after watching a GDC talk, I'm like, that was great. And I share it with everyone in Slack. And then I talk to them about it and be like, can we do something like this? Uh, and sometimes they're just like, you know, no, Andres. <laughs> we don't have yeah, you're like, that. I got it. It's in there. Uh, but um, but uh, like, it's, I know that there's probably good ideas that I've heard that I've forgotten. And that's okay. It's You don't have to do everything. You're not Superman. Mm -hmm. It's not all your job to, you know, make your company better or to, you know, uh, be the perfect uh manager or the perfect lead or the perfect you know like principal designer whatever it is that you're going for um really it's just about like trying to make yourself better one thing at a time um there's a really good uh set of like tutorials and 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 guides that i've seen for drawing where uh a lot of people would get frustrated looking at art station and seeing like all this amazing concept art like up on ArtStation being like, oh my God, I'm never going to be that good. Like how could I ever make a painting that's so great? Like with the color theory and then like uh, the backgrounds are so great and the, the human like proportions and, and anatomy is so perfect. And what the, these guys, like people say is 
don't look at art station as like you know the thing the target that you have to hit look at each each time that you were going to do a new painting don't try to make it an art station painting try to make it a painting that is yours that you is at your skill level but you are trying to improve one thing and like you look at like art station paintings that like do that one thing really well and you look at them for inspiration and you like try to focus really really hard on like maybe you want to do lighting really really well and so like that is the thing that you're focusing on and you make multiple paintings trying to do that and every time that you do a drawing your your lighting is going to improve and it's going to get better every time because you're focusing on one thing at a time uh and when you get to the next thing that you're going to try to improve on your lighting is going to be solid and you're going to be then focusing on anatomy and you're going to remember all of the things that you've learned from the past lessons that you've tried to learn so focusing on improving yourself one step at a time is really how you go about it as by like okay well i'm going to try to be you know a better listener for all the people around me just focus on that don't try to do it all um That's and a big one yeah people like to do a lot of things let me do all the courses let me make everything let me do the programming the art this and that it's like and i mean that's it's fun and like if you're having fun do it all but like don't feel discouraged that you can't do it all to the level of like you know magnum opus or a senior programmer you don't have to you just have to get a little better at a time and if you're going to get into the games industry it really works to like it's really useful to try like picking one thing that you're going to try to go for and specializing in that and improving on that. So like, um, you know, a lot of people are like, Hey, you know, I just want, I do everything. I do the art, I do the programming. And I'm like, being a generalist is great. I'm a generalist. I absolutely do everything. But I realized pretty early on that in like I was able to do really well in programming and I was able to like, you know, go from a scripter to a programmer to a senior programmer to lead programmer. And I specifically made the choice of focusing on one career path to move forward while still doing a lot of my own indie projects on the side and like, you know, uh, writing music and like, you know, uh, Uh, watching a lot of documentaries on like the design behind dark souls and why it's great like i i care a lot about these other aspects of game development but i recognize that like if for my career the best thing i can do for myself is to constantly move forward and to improve myself as a programmer and if i focus on that then when i get to the point where like i have other things that i want to try or or uh, you know, propose, I can say it with the, you know, the the backing of, like, this is a person that we trust. This is a person that has demonstrated that they're capable, they have good judgment. Um, they, you know, they've demonstrated that they're reliable and they do their work well. So let's hear them out. And that doesn't mean that immediately I'm going to become, like, the lead designer on another project. But it does mean that, you know, I can talk to the design team and be like, hey, I thought of this idea and they'll listen to me and be like, hey, that could be a cool idea. Let's see how we can do that. Um, Or they might like take the opportunity to teach me more about design that I don't know because Mm -hmm. I don't specialize in that. And that's that's really like what I try to focus on is like getting hired and getting in the games industry and working in the like in on things that I care about is the first step. 
Uh, and then being able to like it, it trying to do everything is going to mean that I'm going to be less attractive um, to somebody who's looking for somebody who does one thing. It means that I'm much more versatile and I can do a lot of things and I can, you know, have input in a lot of places. But if being hired is the priority, then trying to make myself hireable is definitely the way to go. So I'm curious how you decided that programming was your one thing and not like art. I it was really difficult because like when I came out of the uh, like out of my degree, I was like ready to do game design and like I I did a whole test um, for World of Warcraft and I got into like a phone interview at World of Warcraft without having really any experience doing uh, like design. Uh, and I, I was talking to like a ghost crawler on the phone, like slightly fanboying out. And they told me like, no, sorry, you're just too green. You don't have the experience. No. Yeah. Oh, and man. but it was true. They they were they were right. I didn't have the experience I needed. I didn't realize like some of the problems that I was running into. Had I had more experience, I would have been able to say like, actually, what I'm the problem that you're asking me to solve is not solvable. <laughs> <laughs> so what you have to do is do this other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I realized that I was pretty good at programming when I was able to just kind of like adapt very quickly at this uh, social media company that I was at. Like they gave me this programming position kind of like on an interim basis. So like it was like, a, you know, you're going to replace the current programmer that we have who's a pretty good programmer. And I was able to figure it out and I was able to adapt to it. I was able to demonstrate that like I could learn the material. I could go above and beyond what they were asking me to do. I could take responsibility over different parts of the product that weren't even my responsibility. Like there were things that honestly the tech director should have been doing and uh, he didn't seem to like really pick up on them. So I just grabbed them and I did them myself. Uh, And like everyone was just like, yeah, you know, you go for it. Like we're, we're trusting you to just take it to the that all the way. And I think that that is a really empowering thing to like just let people kind of when people just let you run with something that can feel really great. Uh, and not everybody's as fortunate or lucky. Um, but that made me realize like, hey, you know, I can do this. I can I can learn more programming. I could become a better programmer um, and I could keep like going up in this and, and becoming better at it. And and then like moving out of Flash, it was like a whole new world, right? Because it was like Flash programming is, is dead. It's very, very dead and far it's away. Gone, yeah. Yeah. So like <laughs> moving moving into like Naughty Dog and learning like a bunch of different like uh, different programming language and different scripting languages. That was tough. Uh, but I just tried to rise to the occasion and like get better and make good decisions and learn from like the code that I was seeing. There was a lot of looking around, emulating what the people around me were doing, and just trying to learn lessons from what I was seeing. Uh, and and because I was able to, like from the beginning, feel like, hey, I can do this. It it really, it helped. Uh, it helped me like kind of motivate me to just like just go down this path and see where it led, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't what I originally wanted. Um, and Ultimately, I think that like I still do get a lot of uh, ability to kind of like you know influence or or be part of the design. I get to like uh, do more more gameplay development, more gameplay programming. 
and I'm pretty close to the design team and I constantly like figure out like, okay, how do we make tools for you guys to like, I see what you guys want to do and I, I want this to work this particular way. So let me like make some tools so that you guys can just do it in this way. And then like you can kind of iterate on it and keep like being able to create new content more easily and being able to kind of work with them. It makes me feel really empowered. Uh, and it makes me feel encouraged to, to keep going. I guess, like, the, the the long and the short of it is, like, look for things that you feel like you can take and run with. Like, yeah. if, if it feels like it's something that you, like, you can pick up and you can... It's okay if you don't get it right every time, but if you feel motivated to keep trying, go for it. Just keep trying and, like, keep pursuing that thing. The thing that you feel like you can fail at like that I think that's a good way to look at it is if you fail feel like you can fail at it but that doesn't feel bad you can just keep trying over and over and yeah. you can get it right eventually that's a great thing to like focus on because if you fail at it and you feel like I hate this I don't want to do it anymore that's mm -hmm. not going to encourage you to keep trying that's not going to encourage you to keep going down that path um Whereas if you like try it and you fail and you're like, okay, well, I'll, I'll try again a little bit differently or I'll do this other thing and getting it right makes you feel excited and then you keep trying and that's the that's the, the loop that you're looking for, the, the encouragement that's going to let you go down that path. No, that's a really good one because you have to like enjoy what you're doing if you if you fail. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of moments where people be like, oh, I'm just gonna push through and discipline, discipline. And you get to a point where it's like, yeah, discipline took you so far, but like now you don't really enjoy what you're doing, and it's the only thing you're good at. So it's yeah. like, you should, yeah. So trying to find the thing that you're you love doing and you're good at, which is what you found programming, right? Like you're like, I'm really good at this, and I enjoy making games and programs. Yeah. So why not do it? Yeah. And and I think also it's it's important to just not get burnt out on like what it is that you're doing. Like even if you love it right now, you have to remember like what you're doing at work. You are very passionate about it and you're going to do it to the best of your ability, but it is work. Mm -hmm. So when you get off of work and don't don't drown yourself in like constantly thinking about work, don't be like me. <laughs> what you do? I think about I think about work Burn a lot up. when I'm off of work. Oh, but no. um I try to be like force myself to stop and be creative in other ways because like, you know, doing painting in the evenings and like, you know, listening to music or like, you know, playing guitar, like those things are ways to kind of be creative and expend energy in different ways. And that stops me from being like, I'm going to get, like finish programming and I'm going to do more programming and then I'm going to learn more programming and then I'm going to do tutorials online to do more programming. I'm going to get burned out. I'm going to stop really wanting to program. Whereas if I do programming for work and then when I get like off of work, I'm like, I'm going to do other interesting things that are just for me um, that can flex different muscles. That's going to help me come back to work energized and ready to do more programming and keep growing from that. And it's difficult. It's difficult, especially with like artists. Art is kind of like... Art is like once you do art, you're kind of like always doing art. Yeah, um, I know. I have a friend like that. Always, yeah. every minute, yeah. even like taking videos of a tripper on is artistic. But I'm glad he did because the video he made was epic. But like, still, everything. <laughs> yeah, is but art. yeah, like it's it's. Uh, but I I do try to encourage people. It's like okay, you're doing a bunch of 3D modeling at work. When you're done, like just do just do painting or do like some sculpting for fun. Like do th do actual cl like clay sculpting. Do things that are like tangential to what you're doing that are like related 
but like do something that's just slightly off so it doesn't feel as much like it's the same thing that you're doing at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, find a way to make it your own because that's a, a really good way to kind of energize yourself. Or, or just become a movie buff or get into coffee. Get really into coffee. <laughs> <laughs> is that you? Is that what you did? <laughs> I, I definitely do. I'm very into coffee now. I uh, I mean, I do a lot of things, but like I, it's it's important to find other hobbies and things that will let you be creative in different ways. Mm-hmm. Now, is this advice for someone who is just starting out or someone who's like made it and is now like control mm-hmm. your work life balance? I mean, I think that you should start from the beginning. Like, don't don't. Like, unless, I guess if you're 21, you have, like, the resilience of a rubber ball. You can just bounce back from anything. But, like, I'm 30. Like, I don't – I'm 33? I don't know how old I am. Um, but, like, it's – I'm definitely at the point now where I cannot just pull all-nighters working on, like, programming code and just drinking beer. Uh, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. I used to. But uh, – I think that like starting learning how to balance that also puts you in a better place for later. There's like the whole the 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 studies that have shown that like people really only have a good eight hours of work in them anyway. And they have even less. They have like six hours of work in them, but we stretch it out to eight. Um, after a while, you're just not going to start doing good work. You're just going to be hammering your head yeah. against the wall. So you might as well just do something else so that when you come back to the work, you're more refreshed and you're doing better work. You have a clearer head. Makes a lot of sense. And it's same for studying. So how did you study programming since you didn't go to school for it? Did you have like a set system? Did you just build stuff and learn on the way? I mean, I like a lot of times it was just like, I have this project that I want to do. How do I do it? And like basically just going into i did a lot of programming in flash and i like some programming in unreal 3 mm-hmm. using unreal script and it was just kind of like a, okay i'm just going to figure out how to get this to work and understand the system and and it, it it helps to have a project it really helps to have a group project okay um if you are starting out in the games industry and you haven't made anything and you you want to show a game company that you're serious make things with other people find other students find other people that are making games and make games with them because like likelihood is you're not you're probably not going to sell it probably knows nobody's going to make money off of it um don't work for people that are obviously going to make money off of your thing and just do it for free don't do that that's bad pay people should pay you for work but if you're like a bunch of students and you have the student project and you have this idea that everybody really likes and you just want to do it just try it you might not even finish it, but you will have something at the end of it. Like you will have worked together, you will have an experience, and you will learn things about what it takes to make a game. That's a lot. Of, that's one of the biggest problems is a lot of people come out of the like game stu- schools or game programs not really knowing what it takes to make a game. They know how to 3D model or they know how to like program software, and that's great, but that's not what it takes to make a game. Making mm-hmm. a game is is a group effort. It requires communication. It requires uh, a lot of like sacrifice and problem solving and being like at the last minute, like this is really hard. It was more hard than we thought it would be. This this will happen to you for the rest of your career. You will get to a point where they will be like, oh my god, why did we decide to do this? This is the most difficult thing. Why like we need to do this some other way? That will constantly happen, and that's fine. It's fine to be at that place. What you then need to do is figure out how you're going to turn it around, how you're going to pivot. 
that skill is more important in making games than you know knowing how to make perfect UVs. Uh, That's true. So how does someone like cultivate that? Do they are they born with it? Can they grow it? No, no. You can totally like just do it. Um, join game jams. That's a really good one. There's a lot of community game jams on like itch.io and like all over the internet there's the global game jam that one people are like feeling less good about because um, it's what like a weekend it's a weekend yeah like there's the crunch aspect there's like a, i don't know what's like i i don't really know very much about it i if you don't like the game global game jam don't do the global jam game jam um find a, a game jam that feels like something healthy you can do some of them like last like two weeks and they're just like just over the, the two weeks make a game that's plenty of time like i liked going in and doing like the 24 hour over 48 hour game jam but some people aren't going to be able to gather together in a location um it's it's actually really unhealthy to work that long for that amount of time you might have to work jobs and that's infeasible for some people that are working like you know part-time jobs or something so don't don't feel like you have to do that some of them are a lot more permissive but find a group of people that want to make a game that you have an idea a collective idea with that group that like everybody really likes and they they feel like they're going to try to do and then try to make it over two weeks and see how far you get if you make a game that's already something you can put on your portfolio and be like look we made this game it was me and a bunch of people and you can talk about what you did what you learned from it, you know, what your experience was like, what you didn't expect. That gives you a lot of things to bring to an interview that a, 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 an employer is going to want to hear about. They're going to be like, okay, so what was it like working with this team? What, what problems did you run into? They want to know that you have what it takes to finish a project. Mm -hmm. um, and the more projects that you finish, the better, like you're going to indicate that you are capable of that. Like, Sometimes you're going to be hiring somebody that has like very specific knowledge for like we need somebody that you know can use the Unreal Engine and you know use motion capture and all this stuff. Don't like worry about trying to apply to those or have all of those specialized things. Some of those things come like with more time. Some of those come like if you got lucky and happened to be in a school with a motion capture studio, you can learn that what you should do is learn the fundamentals of like what it takes to make a game what it takes to make art what it takes to make programming what it takes to be an audio designer because the tools and the like specific techniques those can be taught but showing that you have the ability to go through and like complete the tasks given to you and be resourceful that's what a game company is really looking for and for somebody who maybe he's never done an interview or who literally just started what would it look like would you like would that be multiple mini games on their portfolio would that be written out like gdds like what could they do to be like hey i'm actually i know i'm resourceful i know i'm good at this like because i know some people lack the confidence yeah i think that like i'm obviously not the only person that looks at like resumes and so your mileage is going to vary but if i'm looking at a resume what i want to see is like that they've made multiple projects mm -hmm. um with with a team uh, oftentimes like i prefer somebody doing something with a group of people rather than them making something by themselves unless what they made by themselves is extremely impressive um 
uh, I mean, I'm not going to say don't have projects that are by yourself, but like have projects also with other people to indicate like I can be part of a team. Um, I don't think game like game design documents are actually that common in game development anymore. People don't really use them as much. It's still good to be able to write cohesively about game design and like spec documents and like basically, you know, know how to break down a feature to all of the different components and explain how they work. Um, so I wouldn't say like don't learn to you know write game specs or design specs for a specific feature. I think that's a really useful skill. Um, but don't bother trying to write one like a whole game design document as like a thing to show. Nobody's going to read that. It's <laughs> just they're just too long. Um, and what really we want to see is that you can do the work. And the work mm-hmm. is you know going and implementing all of the designs, not just like writing out a big script of designs, but rather also going in, working with the programmer, like iterating on stuff. Um, like because that's the other thing. You're going to write down a spec document in 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 like day-to-day game design for example you're going to write down a spec document you're going to hand it to a programmer they're going to put it in the game you're going to start playing it and it's going to suck it will not feel good it'll have all these things wrong with it uh it like there'll be something off and you won't know what it is and the process then is the process of discovery and iteration where you have to then go in and figure out like okay what do we need to change to make it feel good you have to break it down and be like why isn't it working um, what is wrong with it? How do we fix it? So that ability to be able to identify those problems and quickly be able to kind of iterate over them to find the ultimate solution, that skill is way more important to a game designer than the ability to write a really strong design document from the very beginning. Because realistically, the first design document you write is going to be wrong. <laughs> and the same goes for programming yeah, happens, oftentimes. Yeah. You're going to build a system as a programmer. You're going to code it up, and you're going to put it in, and it's going to be wrong. Uh, Or you're going to be a character. Errors and yeah, yeah. Uh, He's going to have a bunch of errors, or like you're going to have a bunch of bugs, or it's going to be like unwieldy or unoptimized. The important thing is being able to go back and look at your work and figure out how to improve it. Um, That eye, like that eye for like how to improve something and what is wrong is really what is going to like get you further in the games industry mm-hmm. that's key and so again because like i've struggled with this with the eye but it's like do you just surround yourself with a bunch of really good code or good models and you just like watch videos on it to understand like where specifically is like oh this shading's wrong here whereas someone would be like it looks good to me or like the code here functions better so that you're not like wasting memory leaks you got like, yeah. you have things how can someone like prepare that eye make that eye into something where they can actually notice, notice things that are not good and notice things that are good looking at other people's examples is a great way to do that um like them especially if other people break down stuff for you and tell you like what is wrong with things um there's a lot of people that post like white papers on code um on like github or like they they show you like in gdc talks they show pseudocode where they're like you know this is what we were doing before and it wasn't working for this reason so we changed it to this those are really really great like things to look at because what you start learning is you start learning from other people's mistakes because you are making the same mistakes as they are or you're going Mm. to. So learning what they did when they were doing that, that means like when you make that mistake, because you probably will, like you'll you'll probably forget 
what sure. you're saying, uh, and then you'll do it, and then you'll look at it and be like, okay, well, this isn't working. Why is that? You will have seen somebody else run into the same problem, and so you'll look at it and be like, that's what it is. It's the same thing that they were talking about. Same thing goes for somebody breaking down like an illustration. It's like concept art or 3D models. If they're talking about like, you know, here's a tutorial on why we do all of the t- topology, topology for this 3D mm-hmm. model in this particular way. Um, you can listen to them talking about it and they can be like, okay, well, if we do this, then it's going to help our, you know, creases and like our our deformation for this 3D model. So later on, when you are trying to make a 3D model and you're retopologizing it and you're saying like, wow, my deformation's all weird, you can think back to them and be like, oh, okay, so they did this other way. So maybe I should try doing it that way. And you can even bring up the tutorial and kind of watch and follow along. Like being able to learn from other people breaking down issues is a really, really good way um, to like learn that eye because nobody is going to expect you to suddenly like know intrinsically what is wrong. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, if you are able to look at it and be like, I know something is wrong, that's great, but you probably won't know what is wrong. So it really is up to you to like get guidance from other people, especially if you have other people around you whose opinion you respect. Um, or if you if you have a community that you can share an image with and be like, hey, can you redline this for me and show me like what is wrong with it? Um, or if you can like, you know, share code and on like a like Stack Overflow or something and be like, I'm trying to do this, but it's like not working what's wrong with it or like and, and don't expect people to like answer the question for you, but to they're going to probably try to guide you. Yeah. And like kind of teach you to be able to see the problem. So that way you can then see the problem in the future in other places where mm-hmm. it's not the same piece of code or the same drawing. Yeah, You got to think a little bit. It's like those word problems in school. You learn the tools, but now you got to apply them in a specific way. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like to just like get stuck in this tutorial hell where they kind of just copy things. They're like, oh, I struggle with the challenge. Here's the answer. And it's like they kind of get used to just the answer being given to them. And when it comes time to think, they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. The way that they told me doesn't work. I don't really know why they did it that way. So now I don't know how to make it work this way. Like, how do you help people get out of this, like, tutorial hell, this, this place of, like, not really understanding it but thinking they understand it? I mean, it, it you're going to struggle with that for a while. There is this meme that is uh, that I thought was really funny. Um, it's so really funny, but it's a guy it looking at his computer. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a guy is looking at his computer and it says like, "My code doesn't work and I have no idea why." And then underneath it is the same image of him looking at his computer and it says, "My code works and I have no idea why." <laughs> and that is. A thing that I felt like early on where like there would be a lot of times where I would like be building stuff and I'd be like, I don't know why that works. It just does. And that is a thing that I had to grow out of. Um, That is a thing where like eventually after looking at enough code, after like learning enough, I stopped looking at it like uh, here's this the way of of solving the problem. But I started understanding underneath what was going on. Mm -hmm. What is happening or why things work that way so for code you would learn like okay i have to follow step by step and look at like visualize in my head 
where the data is going and what like the state of things is and use debugging tools to be able to kind of like every step understand like what is the state of the program and so when something goes wrong I can find where it's going wrong and I can see like oh okay this is wrong here this shouldn't be this here same with like art is like I, I can tell something's wrong and I don't know what it is so I have to like slowly go like you know step by step and be like where's my light source um you know what kind of material is this what is the light bouncing off of or if you're dealing with music like what is you know what are the sounds that I'm currently trying to play what are the frequencies how are they clashing together um you know is this instrument like just too far to the left? Can I bring it in a little bit more to the center so that I can balance out like the 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 range? These are all things that you like learn the steps of. It's all about learning like step by step. How do you start from the beginning? The fundamentals. Same with like drawing. Like you learn the fundamentals first. You learn contour. You learn uh, shading. You learn. Um, you know, like basic human proportions before you start, you know, painting the Mona Lisa. Uh, you don't start with the Mona Lisa. You don't start with like, you don't no. start with a portrait. You start with like master line because once you figured out line, then you can start with like, okay, this is the stepping stone. This is step one. Then I learned step two. Then I learned step three. And after a while, those steps will be automatic for you. So when you are getting to the point where you're trying to solve a very complicated problem or make something that's very complicated, you will already intrinsically know those things. And you won't be struggling with, the, you know, my code works and I don't know why. Or my code works and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I, I fall in that bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, you will understand what that it doesn't work. And then the question of why it doesn't is I have to step through and make sure that like at every place where I expect it to be behaving in a certain way, it is behaving that way. And all you have to do then is find the place where it's not. Pretty much, yeah. And then just logically make it work in a way that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in a simple way, yeah. art, they're, they're not the same thing. Uh, no, but I think that the, the idea of like learn the fundamentals, learn to like, you know, go from step one all the way to the, the final step is still applicable across all of these disciplines. If you are struggling with like, I need to like figure out like how to make this look good, then you have to go backwards in the steps that you're doing and like be like, okay, maybe you just need to redraw the hand because maybe it's just a bad hand. Maybe it doesn't matter how, how you light the hand. Maybe the pose is just bad um or the composition is bad mm -hmm. and if you fix that it'll be great it's true that's it just that one thing it's it all good be. it might be or it might yeah. be that there's something else wrong mm -hmm. but like being able to kind of go back to those fundamentals and then work back up from them that's very crucial and what would you say for people who aren't impatient and they're like i need to master this in three week months three weeks whenever I need to know it now. And then they get frustrated because they feel like they're rushing things, rushing tutorials, rushing the process. And they, and they kind of know it, but at the end of the day, they, they can't really reproduce what they've learned. Like, What do you say to people like that who just feel like they have to rush for that job or whatever? Um, I guess ask yourself what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Because if you're trying to rush, you might be falling into the trap that you feel like you know the job is going to be the thing that's enjoyable or good. You're like putting your 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 expectations on this pedestal that is like once I get into the games industry everything's gonna be great, 
And I'm not, I'm, you know, getting into the games industry is a huge relief. I'm not going to say that's not relief, yeah. but you're going to get to where you're going and then you're going to be unsatisfied for some other reason. <laughs> like you're always going to yeah. be looking for something new, something more exciting. That's a, that's how humans are. So if that is the case, like you should like reevaluate and look at making sure that you enjoy the work. Because if you don't enjoy the work, if you're in a process where all you're doing is you're just kind of idolizing the end result, then you're not going to have a good time in the games industry because it's not a lot of end result. It's a lot of work. Games are notorious for like you will work on it for like four years and it'll look like crap and it'll look like crap and it'll play like crap. And then in the last few months, everything will suddenly come together and it'll be amazing. Um and mm -hmm. it, like, it, it just constantly happens. So that means that those three or four years, you have to be in love with doing the work because it's not going to be great. It's not going to come together. It's going to look really sloppy. Um, be, and you're going to only be seeing everything in progress for a really long time. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be able to see the potential in it and be like, yeah, that potential is great. We're totally still going in the right direction. But like understand that like the work and being you know feeling good about the day-to-day -day and feeling good about the things that you accomplish in a day that's more important for the long term than you know making the amazing 3d model that is like now fully rigged and in unity and like has all these animations in it that's going to take a long time to get to that point like especially if you're just starting out it's going to take weeks so just enjoy each part of the process. And if you don't enjoy each part of the process, maybe you don't want to work <laughs> in games. That's that's a big one, yeah. I think it's a, a, a good thing, like, for people to know is, like, a lot of people I, that I've met are, they often talk to me, it's like, I want, I've always wanted to work in games. I'm like, oh, really? What do you want to do? And they're like, well, I have all of these ideas. <laughs> and... I, I love those people because they have so much energy, but I, I like keep telling them like, okay, you have all these ideas. It's great. Nobody in the games industry is the idea guy. There's no job like that. So what do you want to do? And like, is what you want to do like program? Do you really enjoy the process of programming? Do you really enjoy the process of art? Do you want to make everything beautiful? Do you want to like, you know, do, do you want to help other people like organize the tasks? Do you want to be a producer? Like, do you want to just test the game? Like, what do you want to do? And I think it's important that you find a thing that you really enjoy doing in that process because not no game is made by one person. I mean, there are games made by one person, but even even the one person usually has help. Like Toby Fox had help to make Undertale. It was it's not just Toby Fox. It's mostly Toby Fox. Yeah. But he's the but, visionary, uh, but he's got some yeah, help. but like that that is like one in a million people, one in like five million people. Like you mm -hmm. are not going probably not that person. If you are, fantastic. Statistically, you're not most likely not. Don't yeah, get so hurt just, about that. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's fine. Like, I'm not yeah. that person either. Yeah. I don't want to be that person. It's exhausting. Um, but you do want to, if you want to work in the games industry, you want to find the thing that makes it so like you want to come to work every day, that you feel excited to come to work today. Because, you know, we don't, we're not in the games industry for the money. You know, we're, the games industry is not where you make tons, tens of yeah, millions of dollars. It's really bad. We don't come to the games industry for like, you know, the, the you know, the mental health. There's a lot of game <laughs> studios that have really bad problems yeah. with this. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't just come to relax. Uh, you don't come there for the fame. Most game developers not recognized at all for the contributions that they make to games. But um, 
if you enjoy making games, if you can't see yourself doing anything but making games, like me when I was like 12 years old and playing with RPG Maker, and I was like, I don't want to do anything but this the entire time. I told my parents, I'm going to stay in during the summer and just work on this game idea that I have. And they forbid it and told me that I had to go out and socialize with my friends. Um, no. Because- <laughs> yeah, they were like, they were like, why are you going to no, know you have to go and socialize with my friends? I think I should have pitched it in a different way. I should have been like, you know, I'm going to spend eight hours a day, like as if it were a job, you know, working on they a probably game. Probably would have liked it. They'd be like, oh. Yeah, they would have been like, oh, you know, discipline. But, you know, then, then I, maybe they wouldn't have. Um, but that's what I wanted to do because I loved making the game. I loved the process of making a game. And that's the person that you want to be is find that thing that you love that makes you want to make games and then find other people that feel the same about different parts and work together and make something. Like that is going to be the way to be- put yourself in a better position to like enter the games industry. And it's not a guarantee. It's not going to save you. Um, unfortunately, uh, there are a lot of people that are less fortunate in like, you know, they're in different countries where there's not a very big games industry and like they're going to struggle to immigrate or not going to have the same financial opportunities as other people. All of these things are normal. Don't they're there. There might be working in your favor. They might be working against you. It's not your fault. If that's again, like if you're not in that uh, position, um, you're just going to struggle. And I'm really, really sorry. Take what advantages that you have and try to like, you know, take them as far as you can Uh, work with like, you know, try to like do what you can with what you have. Um, Find other people that are in similar positions as you work together, Uh, like support each other. Because this is a community. It is the games industry is an industry that is very, very small. And we remember the people that we work with. So if one of your friends makes it into the games industry, they're going to keep trying to get you a job if you were there helping them out the entire time that they were there. Like they are going to do their best and and help you with your portfolio. They're going to give you advice. They're going to like do mock interviews with you. They're going to, you know, recommend you everywhere. Because we remember and we take care of our own. So that is really where you should like focus your energy is on on the people around you. Uh, the people that also want to get into the games industry. The people that also want to make games. Because they're just like you. And they are just as passionate. And working together with them is going to like improve and put you in a better place in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's really true about like it's who you know, not mm-hmm. just what you know. Yeah, and then it it's also really good to work with people that you like because everybody yeah. we're all gamers we all have we all think the same have the same interests well, why not have fun while making games is that the whole point of making games we're not, we don't have all the same interests but we, we definitely share a big common one i agree which with is that. yeah you're right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we share one big common one which is games and usually movies and all entertainment stuff yeah but um but yeah i know it's just like we're making games so why not have fun making it so like surround yourself with people you know you vibe with and also i've heard from a lot of people like another person from naughty dog was like we care a lot more about the person can communicate with other people than if their skill is better like if someone's skills better but they can't communicate they'll choose a second person who's almost as good but communicate just as good 100 just, just that's just what it's important you need to be able to communicate your ideas you need to be able to get along with people you don't want any fights you don't want any like petty stuff 
just want a nice team that's got a good culture and is helping each other. Yep. There's a saying uh, that I heard, I think it was the producer on Astroneer. Was it the producer? Yeah, I think it was the producer mm-hmm. on Astroneer. She she brought up um, that a you know a team ships a, a game at the end of like a game development, right? But a producer ships a team. Ooh. So like, like it that. really, it's the producer's job to make sure that the team works together, that they communicate together, that they're cohesive, that they like they have a good process, that they like each other, that they feel like a team. And that's really valuable to have as as a perspective for everyone involved is that at the end of the game, you don't want to just finish the game and be like, okay, peace out, I'm leaving. You want people to want to stay and work on the next game. Um, and that's a huge goal for your game studio is like having the kind of environment where people don't want to leave. They want to stick around forever. <laughs> 300%, yeah. Yeah. Forever. Keep making this game. Now I'm curious. Did you ever go through any like dark moments where like you had to? Oh God. You felt like you had like make super sacrifices or that like you had to give up or something like that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like especially as an immigrant, um, there were like times where I would cry myself to sleep because like just getting into the country and being able to stay was so hard. Uh, and you know, I thought I'd be like separated from my partner and like. Uh, I did, there was like a lot of like crazy legal stuff going on with the uh, you know immigrants. Dang, you must have been so stressed. It was super stressful. It was like the 2010s, the, the entire time that I was going through that. So it was not, it was not happy. Um, there was also a time when I was working for this uh, social media company when like you know we started not really getting any money from the product and we kept trying to like bring it around so they would not be able to pay me. And I was still working, and like it was, I was super depressed and living in Los Angeles, which is really expensive. So there, there was a lot of really hard times. It's also um, crunching on Uncharted Four was really, really difficult for a lot of people. A lot of people left after uh, Uncharted Four, and I'm sure a lot of people left after The Last of Us Part Two at Naughty Dog because uh, it's just so much effort that you have to put in and wake up really early in the morning to drive through LA traffic all the way to Santa Monica and then work for like 12 hours and then go home and go to bed immediately the moment that you walk through the door because there's no other time left for anything else. And that kind of work was for me unsustainable. Uh, and like I really admired the work ethic and dedication that all of the people at Naughty Dog have and I take that with me. But what I want to try to do differently is find a better life, work-life balance so that, like, you know, you bring you bring that energy and that attention to detail eight hours a day, and then you go home. And I've had people ask me, it's like, you know, I just kind of want to work on the weekends because I don't really have anything to do. And I said, like, look, I'm not going to stop you from working on the weekend if that's what you want to do. Um, but if it's up to me. I would rather you do something that is going to energize you and motivate you and inspire you. So work on something that is just like your own side project, work on something that's a unique hobby, learn to cook, do anything at all that's going to give you a lot of energy and inspiration. Watch movies, watch old cinema, like do anything um, at all that's going to give you ideas that then when you come into work on Monday, you are 
full to the, full to the brim with new interesting ideas that you're going to bring to the table as opposed to just kind of, you know, doing your work led throughout the weekend. Um, and that's kind of what I want out of the people around me is I want to make sure it's like, you know, you put in your eight hours, make sure you get work done. Don't hang out on Facebook while you're at work. Don't do that. Um, but once you're done, go home and be the best you that you can outside of work and grow as a person uh, and, you know, get, make friendships and have life experiences because those are the ones that when you come into work and we're like trying to figure out like what, what awesome moment do we want to happen with the characters here in this particular part of the game? You're going to have an idea from the samurai movie that you watched or like the time that you went camping with your friends out in the hills. Like I want to know about those experiences and I want you to bring them to the table. Uh, and being a full three-dimensional human being full of experiences is the best thing that we can bring to any creative endeavor. You know, that's, that's amazing you say that because I watched a video one time where it was like to be the best film director storyteller is to not watch all the movies that were made, but to go experience life, read books you've never read, go do mm -hmm. sports you've never done, just like experience life because then you can bring those ideas and create something new with it, your story and stuff like that. And so it's just yeah. like... It's like, yeah, it's like maybe that's the problem with a lot of people. It's like, oh, I'm stuck. I'm frustrated. I'm this. I don't, I cannot get any ideas. I'm not creative. It's like, yeah, because you've been trying to do the same thing every day for like 12 hours, and it's not working, and you're not learning anything from it, and you're just getting frustrated. Of course you have no ideas. Go, yeah. I mean, if you burn yourself yeah. out, yeah, it's it's really hard to be creative, especially oh, don't blame yourself if you've been, not been able to be creative over the past year. This has been like an awful, awful year for everybody absolutely everyone people have been depressed people have been like you know constantly haunted people have not been able to kind of like uh like deal with work like work is extra draining especially if you're like a frontline worker and you have to go somewhere where you feel unsafe and you're constantly wearing your mask and you're hoping that you don't catch anything like that's terrifying i don't blame anyone yeah. for not being you know not feeling 100 after that that is not your fault um but if you are constantly trying to push yourself outside of that, you're yeah, you're going to have a really hard time feeling inspired. So only like work on when you actually feel inspired or, or dedicate a little bit of time, a little chunk of time, like an hour every night to improve and practice uh, at what it is that you want to do. But the rest of the time, make sure that you take time to rest. Make sure that you take time to, like you said, experience life and and have moments to like refresh yourself because that energy is, is really important for like being able to continue, being able to be creative, having ideas, having life experiences that are going to, you know, give you something. Like, um, a couple of weeks ago, there was this massive. I don't know if you heard about the Texas freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my friend's lived sister lives there. Yeah. Um, we were without power for 78 hours, uh, and I was legitimately frightened for my life. Like our house was in the you know below 40 degrees, and oh no, I was just sleeping with like every layer of clothing I had on me and under a ton of blankets. It was really really scary. Um, and I was afraid of like my cat would like, you know, get sick or, or, you know, she's really old and I didn't want anything to happen to her. So it's like, I would just constantly like huddle her under the sheets and I didn't do anything that entire week. I was just like, so like cold and upset and depressed. But 
after having gone through it, I'm not saying that this is a good thing. I'm not saying that, like, you know, the, the, the silver lining. Because uh, this is still horrible, and a lot of people had, a, like, way, way worse things happen. Like, their houses flooded, and it's terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. But the pipe the, blew up. Yeah, people's pipes everywhere. froze. It's horrible. But at the end of it, I sat down and I wrote out a bunch of game design ideas for, like, what would a game be like that would like give somebody an idea of the kind of things that we went through and like the kind of resourcefulness that we had to have and like look for like look through all of the boxes in the attic to try to find a flashlight and like uh, like Jimmy rig things out of like screwdrivers in order to like you know try to fix yeah. uh, you know I'm different tools like, uh, what's that game we have to cook overcooked but instead like you have to go and like keep the fireplace like lit or or fix like yeah. a pipe or get like food like constantly moving around making sure your apartment's not a mess yeah exactly and it's like i recently played phasmophobia and there's like a lot of like environmental awareness that you have to have uh and that, that's one of the things i was thinking about is like well what if you have like you know you carry around an oven thermometer to check what the temperature mm-hmm. in the room is and you're like oh no it's too cold like we're getting a cold wave i have to go upstairs and like close all the doors and then like mm-hmm. put stuff under the door in order to like keep, keep the room insulated and try to keep the heat levels up in the room and obviously we were never really at risk uh, not not in the same way that like you are in a game like The Long Dark, where like you know the the cold gets to like sub zero and it's like actually legitimately dangerous uh, for a human yeah, being. You know, yeah, I was know. never in, in that. that happens, yeah, yeah. I would I be like, bro, we need to send everyone to go save them. Uh huh. But like, um, but I- imagining that kind of scenario, like if that were to happen and you're stuck in your house and nobody can come get you. Like, what would that experience be like? And that's the kind of life experience that you get and you start thinking about, like, I, I would make that into a game. I, I kind of want to make that into a game. I want people to see what I went through. And mm-hmm. not that I'm going to make it a game. That's an idea. I put it in my book of games that I one day might make one day. And maybe I'll never make them. That's cool. You have a book? Yeah, of course. I have a book. Every, every designer has a book of, like, game ideas that they would want to make. And they write it down, and then they never look at it again. But that's fine. Yeah, it's because, my Apple Notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, in Apple Notes. Uh, but, like, uh, that's the thing. Like, those ideas are then going to inspire you later when you actually have a problem that you're trying to solve. And you're like, what if I use that idea that I had for that other game that I'm never going to make? And you just try it out, and it works. Like, those are the, the ideas that you're going to bring to the table. So being able to experience life is going to give you a unique take on the kind of stresses and the kind of joys that life is going to throw at a person. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, it's the game industry. we got to deal with some challenges and some rewards. Yeah, exactly. So what have you been working on lately? I've um, been working on The Ruined King. Uh, I can't say too much about it outside of like what's already been shown. We've got like a trailer uh, that's up on YouTube, for, uh, both a gameplay and a reveal trailer. And uh, unfortunately, that's game- pretty awesome. Yeah, oh man, I'm, I'm glad that people are excited about it. Like the league, um, the league community is super, super passionate about all of the characters, and they're super excited to see these champs together. Some of them are confused, like why are they together, and some of them mm-hmm. are just like, I love that they're together, and I love <laughs> that that uh, huge like spread of people that are like angry or happy. Uh, I think it's going to be great, um, and. Uh, unfortunately, the game had to be pushed back a little bit due to COVID. Unexpected, like, 
like pressures. Like I think we did really, really well in adapting to working from home. Mm-hmm. But there's just things that you lose when you're not all in the office together. Um, there's not enough opportunity to be like, you know, I had this idea or like, you know, come over to somebody's desk and talk over something that's not working. So um, I'm really looking forward to being able to go back into the office and like, you know, taking this all the way. Uh, but we're making really good progress and, and the game looks really great. I'm really excited for people to see it. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys. Hopefully everything is awesome. Everybody loves it and the reception's good. And Yeah. So for somebody who wants to be a lead programmer, what advice would you give them to like as they move up? Like how can they get to that position? Um I would say if you want to be a lead programmer, um start out by you know being aware of like the people around you and what they're what they're trying to accomplish and you know making sure that like you're doing things to try to support them. So, like, this goes back to the whole, like, you know, act like the job you want, mm-hmm. is the your, your coworkers, your fellow programmers, your fellow um, artists, the people around you that are trying to make things are going to run into problems. And they're going to, you know, be trying to achieve their own things. And the more that you do in your job and the more that you focus on making sure that you make other people's lives easier... Um, the better off you're going to like the team is going to be as a whole and you are going to look as like the person that is reliable, the person that, you know, is considerate, um, the person that is looking out for the people around you. There's also like making sure that the features that you work on, the, the, um, uh, if you, if you have anything that you're doing, you know, try to take it all the way. Not necessarily if you're prototyping or if you're in alpha stage, you know, like, but as you get towards the end of the game, as you ship something or as you get towards the end of a project, um, make sure that you've dotted the T's and crossed, dotted the I's and crossed the T's. That's the other way around. Um, that you, you look at a feature as not just something that like you know you've been asked to do and it you know there's the task and it's been implemented and that's it it's done but rather like is it achieving the things that they've asked you to do like is it achieving the things that they want because sometimes they'll tell you like you know we want this slider to you know do this when you when you click the mouse and we want the you know the you know the button to make the sound when you press it and you can do that and then when you try it out, you're going to notice that it's bad or it doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel like it's right. Get feedback from the people around you and be like, hey, you know, I noticed this just doesn't work. I don't think it's ready. I don't think it's complete. I don't think it's doing what we wanted it to do. What can we do to change it? How can we do? How can we change it? And having that dialogue going where, you know, you're, you're demonstrating that you are paying attention to the things that you're asked to do and you are wanting them to be the, like when you hand it off, you want it to be the best that it can be. That is somebody that people are going to trust with more things. That is something that people are going to see and acknowledge as like this person is aware, this person is uh, you know cognizant, this person is passionate, this person has attention to detail. 
Um, and those are the things that, you know, take like wind up giving, having people give you more responsibility. Another thing that's also, uh, let's say that you're a senior programmer or a programmer and you're just kind of stuck where you are and you're doing these things, but like nobody's really giving you any opportunity to step up, talk to your lead and be like, Hey, you know, I would like more leadership opportunities. This is something that I want. Don't be afraid to ask for it and then be like, what do you think I need to work on in order to, you know, be like ready for this role? Because if um, like ideally, if you've said like, hey, you know, I'm I'm interested in, you know, being becoming a lead. What is it that I, you feel I need to work on as a programmer in order to like be at that place? Odds are, if you already are at that place, they're going to be like, oh, okay sure you want to be a lead great we'll make you a lead like or or we'll find an opportunity to make you a lead and if that you are not ready or they think that you're not ready they're just gonna they know what it is that you're not ready for and they're gonna tell you what it is uh that usually the people above you are pretty well aware of the things that you're doing well and the things that you're doing less well at, and they're happy to communicate that with you. They'll probably bring it up during a year review, but sometimes re year reviews are really impersonal and people don't really, you know, they don't give you the whole story or, you know, that's kind of like surface level, like, hey, you know, you're doing well, we're going to give you a 1% raise or whatever. Um, but... If you ask, if you like specific, like asking, you shall receive, right? Mm -hmm. You love law of attraction. <laughs> yeah, like you, you want to like look for, uh, you you want to make it clear that there's something that you want and that you're something that you're striving for. And then when they tell you like, hey, we need you to work on this thing, work on it. Like try to own it. Like whatever they tell you that you're not as good at, don't be offended by it. Don't be sad by it. Don't feel frustrated by it. Be like, okay, this is a thing I need to work on. They are seeing that I'm not as good at it is like maybe that's not something that you feel you're that bad at, but like try to identify like, OK, how can I make myself, you know, at least a, like what things about what I'm doing right now are making it so that it's not clear that mm -hmm. this is something that I understand or something that I'm doing? Like, do I need to make my work more visible? Do I need to like, you know. Uh, make it more clear when I'm working with other people. Do do I have a temper? There was a, a long while where I had a really bad temper. Uh, I was very grumpy. I was the grumpy programmer. Um, and oh, and I eventually learned that, like, actually, that's really grating, and it frustrates people, and it makes people feel like they can't trust me or talk to me about things. Yeah. And I didn't want that. You really that angry? Like, you'd be, like, mad at people, and they'd be like, don't talk to him. He's angry. Uh I mean, a little bit, a little bit, or Dang. like I throw a tantrum, uh, like no or, uh, and I think the thing is, like I'm, I'm Mexican, uh, not that mm. like that's that's I'm Northern Mexican, so like not that that's an excuse, but I think that our culture in in the north is a lot more like expressive and like you know out there and and forward and like aggressive. And over time, I've had to learn, like, hey, you know, like, not everything is a party. You have to, like, not yell and not get super excited about everything. Not everything's a party. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not everything is a party. You have to calm down. And I think that, like, just my – I was really, really explosive with my emotions because it was kind of just a part of, of like, what I'd grown up doing. 
And um, I've learned to kind of chill out and be like a lot more like laid back and not get too flustered about things and like break things down. If something is is happening and like I feel passionate about it, I'm like, okay, well, let's think about this tactfully. How can I get what I want out of this situation mm-hmm. uh, instead of like just explode and be like, no, wait, we can't do that. Wait, come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so like th- there's just a lot of moments where you have to like get better at being you know, self-aware. And identifying like what are the things like they've tell, they've given me this feedback. How do I take it to heart, and how do I really try to improve on that? Mm-hmm. I love everything you said because I was going to ask you, but you already mentioned it. Like being self-aware is very important because you. And I, I'm not sure how you learned. Was that always you, or did you pick that up like in time, or you were like, hey, the actions I'm taking aren't really giving me the results. I should probably be more aware. Oh, no, of it. I, well, yeah, I mean, I, I was always a little aware that I, I had a, a temper, and when I asked for like a leadership opportunity at Airship, like I brought it up and I was like, hey, you know, I know I have a temper. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you do. (laughs) And I knew at that moment that I was just like, okay, that is a thing I should work on. That is definitely, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be a lead, I can't, I can't do that anymore. I have, people have to be able to trust that when they come to me, I'm not going to suddenly explode on them, but Mm -hmm. rather like that I, I will listen to them. I will make them feel heard. And I will take their their feedback very like seriously. You had to let go of the ego. Yeah. You know, some people have a hard time letting go of the ego. And they're yeah. like, oh no, I gotta finish this project. Or my work's the best. Or my advice is it's like it's okay. It's, we just take a second to take the feedback and then acknowledge it or not acknowledge it. Cause, but like you have to have a moment where you just say let go of who you thought you were and to become the person you want to become. Exactly. Now that's a really great good way of saying it. Um yeah. But yeah, so this has been a lot of fun. I know you have to go soon, so we should probably wrap it up. Yeah. But so it has one, been a lot of fun. Thank you, Katie. Yeah. So one of the best things that we do with GameDid.tv is like do these challenges at the end of the lectures to make sure people actually learn what they need to learn from the tutorials. So the podcast do the same thing. So I usually ask my uh, podcast guests to come up with a little small challenge. Give you about anything. It can be program-related, art-related, whatever you want to come up with. Okay. Um... I guess a, a good challenge, I think, is this is something that I recently tried, so I'm going to recommend it to other people. Um, you are working on a particular discipline mo- most of the time. I challenge you to go out and learn, like, at least the first steps of some other discipline. So, like, mm-hmm. if you, you know, are a programmer, I, rec- like, recommend that you do, like, the Blender 3D modeling challenge where you, like, learn to make a donut. Um, mm-hmm. If you're, yeah. like, a... If you're a 3D modeler, I recommend that you do, like, some of those intro to, like, programming tasks, uh, like, especially, like, on Apple Playgrounds or something like that. Like, look for something that you've got access to and give that a try. Or Everyone Can Code is is another good resource. Um, And uh, if you're a a musician, you know, you can try one of those things. Or, Or if you, like, pick something that... Um, is is just something that seems interested that you like. You like music, you like programming, you like art, but you don't do it. Just give it a try um, and just see what the experience is like. Um, because A, you you know might, might learn a thing or two. You might learn that you really enjoy it. Uh, you might learn that you're not as bad at it as you thought. I learned that I was not as bad at 3D modeling than I thought. I thought I was really bad at it because I had a hard time in it with it in college. But then like I did some 3D sculpting um and like my friends were just like hey that looks really good and i was like what no, <laughs> no i'm terrible not. at 3d yeah. i'm terrible at 3d and they were like no it's really good so i went and i tried to like 3d model it in blender and, and it worked and i was like super excited like just just try something that you haven't tried before 
as a novel experience, don't like, you know, don't exhaust yourself on it. Just do it until it stops being fun. Um, but do something new because doing something new is always fun and enriching. Mm-hmm. I agree hundred percent. But yeah, great challenge. And again, thank you Andres for coming on, for talking about amazing, your amazing story, programming, art, being like self-aware. Just, there's so many gems in this episode. I can't wait to everybody listens to it. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Thanks, KV. So for the uh, the end of the episode, I will uh, hand the mic to you to do any last-minute shout-outs, to do any last-minute quotes, tips, whatever you want to leave the fans with. And uh, the mic's all yours, and thanks for coming on. Sure. Um, well, everybody, I guess, uh, thinking. Yeah, my recommendation to all of you who are trying to get into the games industry, really focus on, like, finding the thing that you love. Uh finding the thing that's fun because the games industry is fun like games are fun people play games to have fun if you're not having fun making games people aren't going to have fun playing it so try to make sure that you're having a good time uh try to make sure that uh you're you know being good to the people around you as well that you're working together in a team like you want to be the person that people want to remember and work with in the future they will reach out to you and if they have a job opportunity, they see a job opportunity that they think that you'll you'll be a good fit for. So take advantage of your community, take advantage of your friends, and have a good time. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all courses at GameDev.tv or in the show notes at a discounted price. Get started with your game development journey today.